Okay, on um, the first Sunday after, of the first month after the Chinese New Year last year, we started the book of James, and we hope to do it in one year. Uh, we've just missed it by a couple lessons, but today, by the grace of God, we will finish James, the fifth chapter of the book of James. And the first six verses of chapter 5 of James are, are aimed at the rich oppressors. And that's where we were last week. We talked about the rich oppressors. A warning against to the rich oppressors. This next section, 7 through 13, we talk about the need for us to have patience. Patience in a fallen and broken world. And in the final chapters, having to deal with prayer and the need and the opportunity to pray. So I'd like to just review very quickly the first six verses, seven verses, where we were. We're not going to rediscuss it. We're just going to make a punt. And then you will understand the environment, the feeling for which James is bringing us the idea of patience and the need for patience. He starts off by saying in chapter 5, you rich oppressors weep and mourn for the miseries that will come upon you. Your wealth has rotted, your garments are moth-eaten, your silver and gold have rusted, and the rust, their rust will be evidence against you, and it will consume your body as like fire. You have heaped up treasures for the latter days. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have killed the righteous man. And two verses before that it says... And the wages of the laborers which you held back by fraud have cried out against you. And the ears of the laborers have reached the ears. The cries, the prayers of the laborers have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have reached up treasures for the latter days. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. So it's a strong, strong warning against these rich oppressors. And we're not going to go back into the verses this morning, but basically, what a waste if a man gives himself, gives all of his life for this world and loses his soul. If he spends his life or her life trying to collect, trying to possess the things of this world which are passing and temporal and neglects that which is real and lasting. So we open today, he's talking to the brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, be patient. Now, the Christians at this time, the, the Christians that James is addressing, are Jewish believers. Their letter starts off, to the twelve tribes scattered abroad, greetings. He's talking to fellow Jews who have become Christians. Now, the Jews at this time, not only were they been taken advantage of by some rich, but they are being persecuted. They have been persecuted by their own people and they are being persecuted by Rome. So he starts off by saying, Be patient, therefore, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. As the farmer waits patiently, waits patiently for the fruits of the earth, as the, as the farmer watches over the precious fruit for the earth, waiting patiently for the early and latter rain. So you be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Then he goes on to say, don't grumble against one another, brothers, 
lest you be judged? Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And as an example of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And you've heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen, you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how he is gracious and merciful. And above all else, he says, do not swear. Do not swear by heaven or by earth or by any other earth, any other oath, lest you be condemned. Okay, let's talk about patience. What is patience? Do we live in a world where we have to be patient? Do we live in a world where things are going right, where things are going well, where governments are well-tuned, where utilities work? Do we live in a world where people are kind and nice and considerate? Do we live in a perfect world? Does anybody live in that world? Actually, we live in a very broken place, a very fallen world. It started in Eden, and it's just gone down. And as time goes on, even Father now is withdrawing common grace from the earth. Common grace makes, keeps bad from being really bad. But Father is withdrawing common grace. So we're seeing in the day we live things that we have never thought we would see or things we never thought we would hear. And he will continue to return, call, pull that common grace off until Armageddon itself. If you read the last book, this, this world does not have a happy ending. The good guys do not win. <laughs> but at the last moment, the good guy puts his foot down and says, that's it. It's all over. And then a new creation and a new heaven and a new earth. But we all need to be patient in a fallen world. So what is patience? Well, to understand patience, I think we need to understand impatience. Impatience is I need something I need something to draw life from. I need something to draw security from. I need something to draw solace from that I'm not getting. And it's frustrating me. I can't wait for that to happen. When is that going to happen? Or something is currently happening that is disturbing my peace, that's disturbing my solace, that's disturbing my comfort, and when is that going to stop happening? I'm frustrated. When is it going to stop? So we're either waiting for something to start to give us peace, security, and solace, or waiting for something to stop that we think we can return to peace, security, and solace. It's, it's like something we need we don't have causes us to be impatient. Okay, how do we start off, James? Count it all joy when you're disturbed, when you have all kinds of temptations, tribulations. But the trying of your faith, the testing of your faith will produce steadfastness. And steadfastness, when it has its full effect, that you may be entire, complete, lacking in nothing. The reason you and I are impatient is because we are not perfected. The reason we are impatient is we are not finding our peace, our rest, our security, our solace in Christ but we're looking for our peace, our solace, our security in things of this world. And we don't have it. And we're impatient. And what happens when you and I become impatient? 
The next thing he talks about, he says, do not grumble. We start grumbling. Oh, it's terrible. My life is terrible. Oh, he, he doesn't listen to me. He will never change. I can't, oh, the school, it's just terrible. And, you know, our employer, how could that business be so big and be so stupid? Grumble, 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 grumble. From whence come wars and fighting and strifes and money? Is it not your own lust, your own passions that war within your body? That's what James says. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly that you may consume it upon your own lusts. You adulterers, you adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with this world is enmity against God? For he who loves the world is an enemy of God. Love not the world or the things thereof. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life are of the world. They are not of God. And all those pass away. To the extent you and I tie our heart, our hearts, to anything other than Christ, our hearts will be tied to something. There's a song years ago by Bob Dylan, you got to serve somebody. Everybody serves somebody. Everybody serves something. And I tell you what, everything on this earth that we serve that's not Christ will ultimately rob us of our life. Our affections become our afflictions. That which we want to possess, possess us. And we become slaves, slaves of tyrants that want to destroy us and bring us no life. There's only one legitimate place to go with your addiction and my addiction, and that's to the bread of life, who satisfies and gives life. And then he goes on to say, you know, as an example of suffering, look at the prophets. These guys, they brought the word of God to the world. And most of them got stoned. It was. But they lived in patience. They drew their life from Christ. They drew their life from Father. From the Christ to come. They didn't see him tangibly. But they were patient. And he says. Haven't you considered the purposes of the Lord. That he is merciful. And he is compassionate. And he is merciful. He is compassionate. He cares for us so much that he wants to free us, free us from those very things that enslave us, that cause us to be frustrated, that cause us to be impatient, that cause us to grumble with our spouses, that cause us to grumble about the government, that causes us to grumble about everything. And then you know what happens after you grumble a little bit? First of all, you're impatient. I'm impatient. And then I start grumbling. And then what do we do? Then we start swearing. Start swearing. I swear, if that happens, I will do this. I will do that. I will never do that. I will never go there. If that person says that to me one more time, I will do this. Swearing is boasting of our ability to do something, to pull something off. James tells us earlier, don't you know? You don't know what tomorrow is. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Don't you know that you are a mist that appears for a short while and then gone? All such boasting is sin. You and I get frustrated. We get impatient. Why are we frustrated? Because something we need that we want to draw life from, we don't have. 
and we get frustrated, and then we start grumbling, and then we start swearing. I will do that. I will never do that. I will never go there. I will never talk to that person again. Is that a happy ending? <laughs> it's not a happy person. But the world is full of this very situation. And you and I have a chance to confess. We had communion today. If you woke up this morning, or I woke up this morning frustrated about anything, ask Father to show you what are you drawing life from that's not him. And then confess that. I'm drawing life from this happening, or that not happening, for this happening, or that's not happening. Confess it. And ask him to take that away from you, from you, and to replace it with security in him and in himself. You can pray to your, an old man or an old woman, Lord, don't let me get frustrated about this. Don't let me be frustrated. Don't let me be impatient. He'll never answer the prayer. But if you say, would you free me from that thing that I'm looking to, that I'm holding on to for life, for security, for soul, would you let me let go of that? Give me the grace to let go of that. Then you'll find that the frustration, the impatience goes away. Goes away. Because we only grasp that which we need for life. And Jesus came that we might have life and that more abundantly. He came to set the captives free. And if the sun sets you free, the sun sets me free, you are free indeed. Okay. The next section, he talks about prayer. He says, are any of you this morning suffering? If you are, pray. Is there anyone here this morning that's cheerful? Well, sing songs of praise. Is any among, among us this morning sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint him in oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save this man, and the Lord will raise him up, and his sins will be forgiven. Therefore, brethren, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Okay. Is anyone this morning suffering, troubled? Have you lost your job? Have you lost your marriage? Have you lost your relationship with your children? Have you lost your way? Have you lost hope? Well, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things you can do in that situation. You and I can go medicate ourselves by eating too much or drinking too much or watching too many movies. Or doing things we shouldn't do. But he says if you're suffering you need to pray. You need to pray. Not as the last resort. But as the first place you go. If you're suffering pray. Jesus says come to me all you who are tired. And weighed down. Suffering. And I will give you rest. You don't have to suffer alone. I suffered for you on the cross. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. If any are suffering pray. Come to me. Is there anyone cheerful this morning? Sing songs of praise.
Don't just run out and go play golf or, or ride a go-kart or whatever you like to do to have fun. Give the Lord the praise. If anyone's cheerful, sing praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies that your youth is restored like the eagles. I will bless the Lord all my days. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall always be in my mouth. My tongue shall, my tongue shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of this and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. I sought the Lord and he heard me, delivered me from all my fears. 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 Come from having our trust in things that are not trustworthy. The source of all fear is insecurity. And the source of all insecurity is we, in fact, have secured ourselves in that which is not secure. And Jesus says, in this world, everything moves, everything breaks but me. So do not, do not secure yourself in anything in this world. Because it's all moving, it's all breaking. But where your security is, there your heart will abide. And then he goes on to say, if there's anyone sick, physically sick, let him or her call for the elders of the church to be anointed in oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save him. And the Lord will lift him up. And if he has sinned, his sins will be forgiven. Now, all sickness is not from sin. You know, flu bugs go around. Viruses go around. Measles go around. Mumps go around. But sin could maybe lower your immune system. But I guarantee you, I really believe when we get to heaven and we understand everything, we will discover that most of the disease on this earth is a result of sin. It's a result of not abiding. It's a result of being anxious, being fearful, being frustrated, being impatient, basically walking around just in a little bit of living hell here on earth. Because God did not create the human body for stress, for worry, for anxiety, for fear, for impatience, for grumbling. We just weren't physically created to experience that. Dogs and cats aren't created to experience it. Of course, they don't experience it. We do. And it takes a great toll on our physical bodies. A great toll. So, in, in confessing our sins before the Lord... We can get into this cleansing. We can get into this area where he's comforting us, where we can substitute that which is not secure for the only thing that is secure, him. Come back into his loving arms. Come back into his peace. Come back into his, his desire to, to capture you and love you and kiss you and, and tell you how much he loves you. And it doesn't matter what you did or what you didn't do. Jesus took care of that. All that matters is you've come to me. You've come to the right person. You've come to me. And you will be healed. Now, I can't tell you you're going to be healed of what you got today. But I guarantee you, God will heal every disease except your last one. He will heal every disease except your last one. And nobody gets out of here alive. You know, that, that's, a, that's, that's how we know we're eternal beings. We just don't believe it's going to happen to us. But it does. And then he goes on to say, and pray for one another that you may be healed. You notice he didn't say that you may be 
forgiven, he said that you may be healed. Because as a brother or sister confesses to another a brother or sister, I have sinned. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me that I will be restored? Will you pray for me that I will be able to walk in victory and not do that? There's healing that comes when we can confess our sins to another brother or sister. You're forgiven if you confess it to the Lord. I'm forgiven if I confess it to the Lord. But I get healing when I confess it to a brother or sister. And I don't know how many times I've confessed to a brother or sister's sin and I get this big look of relief on their face like they thought, well, I thought I was the only person who had that problem. They're just relieved to hear that somebody else is a sinner and forgiven. But confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. He ends up by saying the prayers of a righteous man has great power in its effect. And then he goes on to talk about Elijah, how he prayed and it, the earth didn't give rain for three years and six months and then he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and uh, the fruits of the earth came forward. That the prayers of a righteous man are powerful in their effect. Okay, what's he talking about? Are we all righteous in Christ? Yes, we're all righteous in Christ, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about men and women who live in close fellowship, in a right, close walking relationship with Christ. Those prayers are very effective. And why are they effective? Because they don't start with the person, they start with God. If you read the story of Elijah, it was God who told him, pray that it won't rain on the earth for three years and six months. Elijah just didn't wake up one morning with a feeling and say, I think I'm going to go do that. <laughs> God told him to, and he prayed it, and it was answered. And that's what happens if you and I live righteously before Christ. Blessed are the pure in heart who seek him not for what he'll do, but for only who he is. We start having ears that can actually hear him tell us what he wants us to pray. And if he tells us what he wants me to pray, he tells you what he wants you to pray, then those prayers will be answered because they are powerful in their effect, because they start from him, go through you, go through me, go back to him, bang, they're answered. He closes the book of James by saying, you know, brothers, if any of you wander from the way, if one of your brothers wander from the way, and you, you go out and grab him and bring him back, don't you know that he who brings back a sinner from the air of his ways, will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. The idea of covering a multitude of sins, is a, it's an Old Testament expression. It's used a lot in Proverbs. It just means he receives forgiveness. He's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about a brother whose sister wanders from the truth. These people know the truth. These people have known the true one and have wandered away. So they can't lose their salvation because once saved, always saved. Because it didn't have anything to do with us, it had to do with him. But they do lose their life, the potential that God had for their souls here on earth. And they might have an early physical death. Because they're not delivered from their sin. Which may be a source of their death. But he says, if anybody brings one of those back, ah, he saved his soul that he might reach the potential to apprehend all that for which he has been apprehended by Christ and enter into this forgiving relationship with Christ. The book of James is a great book. We're going to have to leave now. Uh, read it. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials that ultimately we can be complete, entire, lacking in nothing because we have found our security in Christ. Let me close this in prayer. Father, thank you for James. Um,
thank you for your word. We thank you that it never goes out and returns void. We pray that you would give us the grace to discover all that which we find ourselves securing ourselves in that is not you, that we could exchange that for your gracious and loving hand, that you might do your way with us and bring glory to your name. And we make this prayer in the name of Christ.